the diamond. I The Empathy Museum presents A Mile in My Shoes. Now, I have here a pair of leather shoes, size nine and a half, a men's shoe. They're brown, no laces, they have a buckle across. There's stitching around the toe box for the upper to connect with the, the lower part of the shoe. They're leather throughout, leather soles, leather heels, with perhaps just a, a quarter of rubber across the heel. They're quite well worn. They've been used quite a lot, I would say, but they've been kept in good condition but they're a good, solid, comfortable shoe. These shoes belong to Edin Basic. This is his story. I'm doing the Bosnian bean soup. I'm quite famous for my bean soup. I tweak the recipes from Italian way and Bosnian way and put them together. I think I discovered cooking only when I came here to this country. In Mostar, it was never considered as a kind of uh, man's job. So it was my kind of, you know, London discovery. I left my country and, uh, in 1992. I was 24, just before the war, beginning of 1992. There was, you could see something is happening politically. The, the way the war started for me was uh, with my friends, we worked in a bar. This particular bar, we had a big garden outside and it was in the old town. And I was in the morning and it was just like a big explosion. There was a soldiers there running around and, you know, gunshots I never heard before. And, you know, we run and we hide. The war arrived in a big way from that day, from... Something which is a normal life, normality of every day. You know, you have habits, things, you go to university, you go to out, you go to whatever you do. To this, it was the hell, you know. There's this kind of silence sometimes. Everything stays still just before they, the, the bomb starts. And in the night time, you just don't know. Some kind of soldiers, anybody can come in and take you away or kill you or whatever. Anything can happen. Life is so cheap. It was such a desperation that I can't really describe how, describe it enough, what, what the war is. You know, you really need to see it and experience it. Somehow I had the wisdom to see through that this is, there's no winners in this. You know, there's, everybody's going to lose. Uh, so in kind of May 1992, I, with my girlfriend of mine, we kind of decided to leave. It was kind of a crazy journey, lots of points, you know, checkpoints. Somehow we made it to Zagreb uh, in Croatia, and then we went to a travel agency, and the woman said, London, yeah, London was good. There was a friend of mine who was in London, but she could have said, you know, Malaysia. It would be like, yeah, <laughs> why not? Because I thought I'll be staying there wherever I'm going, you know, maybe a few months until it's finished, and then I'm going to be back. So next day I was in Heathrow as uh, asylum seekers, <laughs> as they call, call us, as a refugee. Uh, I'm still here after 25 years. <laughs> Shortly after I arrived here with my girlfriend, I think she left me with this friend of mine. So I was by myself here. I didn't speak English. I was in my own, yeah. During the war, I didn't speak to my family. It was impossible. The lines were cut off, so I couldn't speak regularly at all. My father was taken to concentration camp. 
my uncle and his his son, ten years old, and my aunt, they got actually killed in the war. You know, they took them out from from the village where they were living, and they shot them. You know, psychologically, I think you know people to cope with this is not easy. You have to find a way how to survive, and my way of surviving was keep myself busy. I found my first job in the kitchen in a Paddington, big Italian restaurant. Yes, I was in the basement washing the dishes six days a week. It was tough, you know, they was really busy. So I remember they gave me one shirt, like a kitchen top, you know, at the end of the week, you take it off and it's kind of stands. You know, when you are busy, you think less. For me, I understood hard work is basically very much escape from this horrible reality what was happening and uh, and as a result I kind of learned and I progress <laughs> so I became salad chef then I became pasta chef then I became pizza chef then the second chef then head chef in 2000 and 2000 I was working for Starbucks uh, as area manager and I always wanted to start my own thing you know start my own chain or something big uh, I had um, this eureka moment when delivery in in the UK was there was very limited choice. So we said like, a, wow, we can do this better. The market is huge, but the choice is very small and, you know, the food quality is not great. So we went to Naples where pizza originated and we wanted to create the best pizza in the world. We opened the first site in Battersea, then we opened the second site a year later yeah, you know, leaving security of the job of, you know, I had a company car expenses, wages on time, to leave all of this, to have problems with the cash flow and working every day, all day, nights. Yeah, it was a tough decision. It was a crazy decision, but I think I had to do it. There was lots of disasters. <laughs> there was many mistakes. I think any, any entrepreneur will tell you the feeling is today have a business, tomorrow you don't have a business. One night is busy. Yeah, it's great. Next night is not busy. That's it. You know, it's not for faint-hearted. It's like uh, you have to be very resilient to, to, to see it through all the way. Fast forward to 2016. We had 17 sites. And then uh, last year I sold to Pizza Express, my company, and... Uh, I made lots of money, and it's something which is uh, I'm proud of, very much so. So when I first arrived to London, I felt that British people received me really, really well. Now you hear the stories of, you know, Brexit, and I think the, the mood of people, you know, it just has changed. Not on better, I think, on worst. And that's why I'm supporting immigration and being active more to kind of uh, to change the image of immigration that say that immigrants are not bad or refugees. They are, they are a positive force to contribute to society. I'm a good example. I, you know, with my company, I pay more than a million pounds in taxes every year over the last, I don't know, seven, eight years, employing 300 people. So I'm very much uh, supporting Im immigrants and immigrations uh, around the world, uh, mainly Syrians now, supporting, uh, support lots of uh, refugee entrepreneurs and, and different, different ways trying to add value to this. I think refugees are uh, entrepreneurs themselves for the reason that you have to risk things, you know, calculated risks, sometimes with your children, with your family. You have to have endurance to 
to go through this. You know, you have to have never give up attitude. All of these qualities are purely entrepreneurial. You know, you can apply these qualities to anybody, any startup in, in, in America or Silicon Valley. Refugees also have something which is um, they have desire to succeed. Um, I'm talking this from my own experience mainly. There was no plan B. Look, I can't go back. When you are forced to leave, I'm talking this kind of refugees, then you just have to make it. And this is this extra, extra driving force which kind of propeller you to, to never give up and, you know, and to, to, to do what needs to be done. During these 25 years, I kind of declare myself as, as a citizen of the world. Look, philosophically, if you think about this, if I base my happiness only on myself, then I can never be happy because we people of this, you know, world, this planet of this universe are, we are all connected. So as long as there is one person unhappy in this world, I can't be truly happy. That's how I see the world. And I think um, one of the reasons I see the world this way is because I come from the place where I see lots of destruction and, and death. And then uh, I'm going to add the beans to this and uh, some spices, tomato. It's, it's a very particular kind of artistic expression that you make something and then somebody eat it and it's gone. And you just see the happy face and pleasing somebody else. It's kind of uh, it's a very humble way of, I think, uh, expression in a way. I'm just going to go and get some uh, rosemary. Edin's story was produced by Olivia Humphreys. His shoes are part of a growing collection of footwear hosted by the Empathy Museum's A Mile in My Shoes exhibition. The shoes and stories come from all over the world. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to find out where we're going next. <laughs>